I think I had a little bit of seeing in a frame even before I picked up a camera because I remember like my parents were driving me somewhere and I looked at this old dead tree that was in the middle of this field and I saw like a frame around it. What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? Understandably, a tough question for any 20-something to answer. So join me, your host, Taylor Marks of the Rise Year Podcast, as I talk with some cool people about what they do and occasionally go on long rants of my own about the pains of growing up. Today's guest is Mert Jones, the Director of Education at The Light Factory. I'm from Charlotte and I am the education director at the Light Factory. The Light Factory is a gallery space and education center for photography specifically. Uh, it's a great little organization in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're pretty small, but we are hoping to, you know, have a powerful culture and arts footprint in Charlotte. How'd you get started in what you do, how'd you get your position and what was kind of like your path there, I guess? Yeah, I mean, my path here has taken a really long time. Basically, when I graduated from high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I should take some classes at Central Piedmont Community College. And I did. And one of those classes I signed up for <laughs> was a photography class. So I was like, I don't have a camera. My dad's got a camera. So he let me borrow his camera for the class. And once I, once I started taking photos, I was like, this is it. I don't know how, I don't know why. I mean, I know why, but I don't know how or how I'm going to do things or where it's going to lead, but this is it. I have to do this. You know, taking that one art photo appreciation class kind of changed my whole life, really because I did not have a lot of drive. I did not have any goals before that because I had no idea. I just really did not know anything about what I wanted to do. You know, I think growing up, I thought, well, maybe I'll be a teacher. And, you know, where I am sitting right now today, I'm marrying those two ideas, photography and teaching education. Yeah, so I took that class and then I wanted to take more photo classes and more photo classes. So that's what I did. And I still, you know, was like, Ooh, doo, 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 doo. so I uh, was kind of following the guide of a two-year degree. So taking all the art classes that I could possibly take along with, you know, math and public speaking and English and all of those general ed classes that you're supposed to take. And I said, well, let me look and see how far I am. And I, I was only one class away from a two-year degree. So I said, well, I guess I'll do that. <laughs> so it, was, it felt very like nonchalant. And in the interim, I just did everything I could, every opportunity that presented itself through school and outside of school to do photography, to learn from someone else, to work at a camera store. I, the camera store is closed now, but it was called Camera World and it was in Plaza Midwood here. And I applied for that job like four times. I'm like, how about now? How about now? You know? And they did, uh, they did finally, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil sometimes. So that did work in that case. So in 2005, I finally graduated with the two-year associate degree. And I got a job with a photographer in, in Charlotte. I was the 
kind of office manager or slash whatever she needed at the time. And it worked really well for about three months. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then I did put in my resignation because of, you know, certain things just weren't working out well. So I did that and then I said, shoot, what do I do now? In the meantime, I had applied to UNC Charlotte, which is university here in Charlotte. And I put in my notice and then I got an acceptance letter the next day. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Um, That's good. And then I went down to UNCC and um, they got me fixed up with how I was going to pay for the schooling. And then a week later, I started going to UNCC. So it happened like serendipitously all together. And I think that's where I really became an artist. We have a great program here between the community college and the UNCC where if you get that two-year degree, you don't have to take any of the general ed. Everything is satisfied by that two-year degree. So that was really great for me. I, at that point, was a non-traditional student because it took me so long to finish the degree over at Central Piedmont, the way I was kind of just going along, la la la. I treated the four-year program as a graduate degree almost because I was just so like into the projects. And yes, I had to take art history and all of these other kind of art classes. Everything was in the art department. So, I mean, that just blew my mind. You know, I mean, it was just really, I was in deep, you know? <laughs> so sometimes going with the flow puts you right where you need to be. So I've done art in photography, I've done studio photography, I've done publication work. I worked for the Charlotte Observer during the DNC, what was that, 2013, 2012? I'll have to get my dates straight on that. But that was so exciting. It was like, you know, I was taking these plunges and going for things because I really just reached out to the Charlotte Observer like the week before the DNC and I'm like, hey, um, here's my website. Do you guys need any extra photographers for this humongous event that we're having in Charlotte? And <laughs> unbelievably enough, they said yes. And so, you know, I got to be in a newsroom for the first time. And this was like a huge newsroom with like the writers and photographers and everyone together. And it was just a really meaningful and, and amazing experience. And I, you know, some of those experiences you have to ask for period. You know, you have to get out of your comfort zone, write an email, use contacts that you have to, to make some of those things happen for yourself. And I think that was a case where it, where it did happen and it materialized and it's like, woo! I laugh because I, I say they put me on the party picks committee. Um, <laughs> Cause I was in the group that photographed different delegate parties and I covered the roots at Amos's one night. So it was, you know, some fun stuff. It wasn't like maybe some boring <laughs> things as well. <laughs> yeah, no, you got the good crowd. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and then I just continued that for a while. And I did actually have a bout of depression that lasted. That You know, I kind of went into a depression phase. So that lasted about six years. And it kind of, I still took photo jobs, but I wasn't doing these incredible things that I had the momentum to do. So when I got out of that, luckily, lucky for me, I'm a survivor, you know, in remission, I guess you could say, these opportunities started to come up again. And I was more interested in pursuing my artwork rather than 
studio work or publication work or anything like that. So I started to apply for things. And one thing that I applied for was called Beyond the Frame. And that was in 2017. Yes. And it was at the Light Factory. It was uh, 10 women for a year and it was a juried com competition. I, I think there were maybe 40 applicants. So 10 women were chosen out of that for a year to, to come, come up with a project based on, we could take classes, we had artist conversations and it culminated in the show at the Light Factory. After that, I started teaching photography and teaching art for Arts Plus, which is another arts organization in Charlotte. And I did not realize how much I loved art education until I started doing those things. And I found that I was really, really good at it. So based on those catalysts, again, of like applying for things, searching for things to apply for art grants and things like that, I just, there, we have a local arts and science council. So I applied for a community supported artists and I got that for the year 2020. So just finding these things and applying. And I think a lot, a lot of times I had an issue with like my confidence level. Like, I don't want to apply for this because I don't know if I'm good enough for this, but that's hogwash. We all know that, you know, you try, you apply, you try and you keep trying. That's, that's kind of the, the end game is you just keep trying. So I worked closely with the art education director at the Light Factory through teaching. And she actually started teaching on a collegiate level. So I did not know the job had become available. And I got asked to a meeting with the executive director, Kay Tuttle. And so we're talking and we're, you know, outside it's COVID because I think I got this job. I got the job offer in August. Oh, so we're fairly outside. recent, yeah. Yes, very recent. Who gets a job during COVID, right? So we're, we're outside drinking coffee and we're talking and she's like, you know, the art educa education, direct the dire director of education does this and this and this. And I'm like, okay, are you offering me this job? And she's like, oh, did I not mention that? And I'm like, oh, wow, because this really is my dream job, right? So it was a, a funny way of, of how it came to be as well. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, congrats. Yeah. I mean, you've been Thank four you. or five months or whatever it's been at this point, but yeah. that's pretty awesome. What was it that initially drew you to photography that like really made it click in your head that this was it? You know, I think I had a little bit of seeing in a frame even before I picked up a camera because I remember like my parents were driving me somewhere and I looked at this old dead tree that was in the middle of this field and I saw like a frame around it. I mean, I saw it as a photograph, you know? So that's, you know, and all these kind of different aspects that kind of had already been there kind of started coming to life and, and making me realize, yes, this, this is the path. Once I started, I, I just loved the ability to be creative. And I, I guess it, it allowed me freedom that I didn't have before. Do you think it gave you not like the confidence to share what, whatever your views were, what you were thinking, like it was a way for you to transcribe, like either what you were going through or like what you saw basically. And like, that's, was like an important factor to you being, you know, 18 or so, like 
fresh into the world? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it gave me confidence. It gave me drive that I didn't know was there. I mean, I was just kind of floating along, like, what do I do? And I, you know, stumble upon this amazing art form that I just didn't have an, an understanding or appreciation for before that. And it just, it really changed my life because like I said, I was able to like finish things that I, you know, finish a degree, which I had no idea that I might actually be doing. <laughs> it gave me that confidence. It gave me that drive. And it also gave me a way to be social. Like I could take my camera and go photograph a band and I could do it by myself. And I didn't feel weird because I had a purpose of being there, you know, like, so it, it was, it was like a way for me to social interact in a social way as well. What's it like being an artist? Like how, like living, cause you know, there's a lot of associations that tend to like come with being an artist and living that life. Would you say, which ones do you agree with? And then which ones would you say are kind of just like outlandish and like, aren't really true? Sure. I mean, I do like to dress funky. That is a thing for me, but you know, starving artist, it is the worst saying in the world. It should be cut from our program. It should, we should never hear it again because, you know, I think for a while I'm like, well, I'm just trying, I'm, get, I'm trying to get this done. I'm trying to do this thing. I'm trying to do it. And that makes me, you know, not value my work as highly. So that saying should be scrapped because, you know, my, my work was valuable then, my work is valuable now because I made it, you know? So I do not like that phrase. <laughs> but also, you know, there's a, certain, there's a certain amount of fear that goes with taking your viewpoint and putting it on the wall for others to see, you know? There's a little fear there. And again, I think, you know, practice, practice, practice. It kind of changes the more you practice. That fear is always going to be there a little bit, just like if you have to stand up in front of people and talk, you know, that, that little bit of nervous fear will be there but practice, practice, practice. That's my, I, I tell my students all the time. It's just like an instrument, you know, you have to practice period. Yeah. Yeah. Two things come to mind from that. First is I read Elizabeth Gilbert's book, big magic a few months ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's all about creativity and stuff. And so one of her points is like, you have to have the courage to share your creativity and your ideas with the world like that's the biggest thing because like people are creative yeah. but most of the time it's that fear that stops them because you don't want to be rejected or you don't want to be seen as like weird and crazy and all this stuff and so <laughs> having the courage to do that because then you ultimately feel better regardless of what anybody else thinks like you've put it out into the world and now it's something and it at least exists whether or not it's acknowledged or not and then the second one is so I grew up I loved art class and you know I'll tinker around with stuff now but and so I could draw like fairly well especially up until like the end of high school and then I kind of stopped going into college but I'll have friends and stuff and be like oh I'm not creative or I'm not this and I can't draw I'm like it's literally a skill like all of this other stuff that you've just chosen not to like invest the time in and like it's also like your drawing is not going to be the same as mine and that's a hundred percent fine like and I think having people, giving them the ability to like be able to see the difference and know that it is a skill, just like 
shooting a basketball or like doing some other thing that we already consider a skill like if you change your mindset to that then you're on a completely different playing field and then and then you see art in a totally different light and you might be more acceptable to it you're also like opening yourself up to potential like you may not think you're a good photographer but once you take you know once you start taking pictures with your iphone and you're like oh well this first of all is fun (laughs) second of all I kind of like this I got a lot of likes on Instagram I mean you know it's like you get that a little bit of that public approval and you're like oh okay let me try some more and you know I think the the first main thing is you know do you like it do you like to do it is it fun and that's why right now I don't want to do like the corporate kind of stuff I want to do my art because I just need it right now I think with the pandemic and everything it's like I need to make art I don't want to set up my lights and take pictures in an office setting. I just want to make art because I feel I feel that need right now. So. so when you say you want to make art, what in your head is like what is that? <laughs> well, I think I've I've categorized like photography for me is my art and my work. So they're they're essentially two different things, even though they're both photography. So oddly enough, it depends. I, I've been doing a lot with an old, very old process called cyanotype, which I had set up at Camp North End when you came by. And I'm just like engrossed in that process right now. And there's not, I mean, there might be a deadline if I apply for something and that's a little different, but there's, it's just kind of like on my own time coming from my own self. It's not like there's a hierarchy for what I need to do and how I need to do it. So again, that's just like that freedom that I want to express right now as opposed to doing what you, you want me to do right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, and, and I, you know, just as a, a writer has a block, you know, I've experienced that in photography. And like I said, right now, I'm like not doing any kind of corporate work because I, I just, I need a break from it. And it's okay to, to know that about yourself and to just kind of take a break from that, do something else. And of course, having a, a job in my field allows me that freedom as well. Mm-hmm. So, so when you have when you have an idea of something you want to create, what's your process for uh, making it come to life? Yeah, well, I do writing about it. I do some like almost like when you're writing a paper and you have these like bubble diagrams. Like it's 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 kind of like that. So I start by formulating idea of subject matter and things like that. So with my cyanotypes, I've been doing a lot of natural materials, like plant plant materials. So it's like, what kinds or where do I source those from? And then I have oftentimes had a vision in my head and not everybody is like this. And I certainly, if I'm experimenting, I don't, but I will sometimes have a very clear image of what the end product will look like even on like the wall. I did a project, it was my first large series in 2005 and it's called Neck to Navel and it was 20 set, 25 sets women from neck to navel nudes. And it was, I showed it in a very scientific way, very straightforward. They were all the same size, they were all square, they were printed the same. Um, it's, it began with an idea of how women support each other. Um, and then this, this ended up being what it what it came out as and you know doing this kind of definitely challenges the sexual sexuality or the sexual nature that's attached to the woman's breast so 
you know, it was very, it was very, what's the word, you know, challenging of, of our, our normal notions of the breast or our, our sexual, what we put to the, the female body. So mm-hmm. challenging those constructs. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. So what yeah. to you, like, what is art to you? How would you describe it if somebody asked what it was? What is art? That's a good one. Because I am so liberal in my term of that word. I was on a call with a a person on our education committee and he was doing a lecture for a photo group and he would show them an image and ask, is, do you consider this art or do you think this is just like a picture? And they, they had differing opinions on each um, image that they saw and I saw them all as art. So, you know, I feel like if you are making something that's art, you know, I mean, you have the art, like my brother does granite countertops for a living and that is his art. You know, I think that even somewhat, you know, even the, the plumber doing something that is his art, that's her art and that's their art. So I, you know, like I said, I have a very liberal understanding of, of what I say art is. It's probably what it is in its purest form, but society, you know, just has tweaked it and, and made it look like art is only a drawing or something that you do in class or paint or, and stuff, rather than looking at it as something you created. Even performance art is so incredible to me, you know, even graffiti art, like all of those things, I just appreciate them hands down. The world would not be the same without them, you know, and the world would not be the same without art. I think I'm a huge proponent of like early art education and just art education in general. Like we need this, even if you're not good at it, quote unquote, you know, it helps you see the world in a more, more rounded, well-rounded way. How do you teach kids to enjoy art? Well, I teach very process-oriented or project-oriented. So we have a set of projects that we're going to do, and we have terms, and we have processes that go with that. It's been really hard to teach over Zoom, middle school and high school. Though I am a bubbly personality, it, it helps, but there's nothing like being with these students in the classroom with cameras in their hands, taking photo walks, doing the art processes right in front of each other. I mean, it's it's really hard not to do, you know? (laughs) But I've come up with a set of classes for the spring. So it's like a hybrid. So we'll meet outside for two classes and then four classes will happen online just to kind of get us not only, I mean, these poor kids have had so much Zoom fatigue, it's insane. So like, how do we come up with creative ways to get them out of this computer? I think that's, yeah, <laughs> that's the key right there, especially if this yeah. is what it's like going forward. And that takes away part of the aspect of like an art class is I used to enjoy walking into the room and you've got the big drawing tables and they're up mm-hmm. high and then you've got the stools and there's just this, you know, this feeling when you walk into that room that none of the other rooms really have. So it's automatically like you're in a safe space to create. And Absolutely. it's probably hard to replicate that when you're at home or you're at wherever you're taking your classes. Like you yeah. just maybe have to figure out how to reframe and get yourself into that mindset to be creative and 
and pursue whatever it is you're trying to do. Absolutely. And for me, it was always like that when I was in my art classes, whether it was at Central Piedmont or at UNCC. I mean, those classes just had a different vibe and had a different um, understanding for me. And it did feel like a, a, free, a free and safe space. So with that, it's like you try, you do try to help the students to get there, even, even over Zoom. What's been the biggest source, or it could be multiple, I'm not saying you have to pick one, but what's been the biggest inspiration for both your artwork, but then also just your career path in general of photography, whether it's famous photographers or it's other artists or whoever, whatever it may be? You know, having a mentor has been an incredible experience for me. I have two mentors. One passed away not too long ago. So that was like heartbreaking and sad. An aspect of that relationship you don't really think about, you know, you might think about your grandmother dying or something, but anyway, just having those kind of role models that are available to you. And they were both professors of mine at UNC Charlotte. So just the continued relationship is something that I have truly valued and I cannot express enough how, how valuable that mentorship has, has been, especially for these two women were, our gosh, they're at least 30 years older than me. So, you know, like your mentor does not have to be that much older than you, but that is one thing that I'd say, if you don't ask, try to find a mentor, figure it out. Cause I, I had these mentors and I never really called them my mentors. And then I'm like, oh yeah, these people are my mentors. <laughs> like, like recognizing the relationship in retrospect kind of, but that is one of the, has one been one of the greatest in, influences for me. Otherwise, I mean, just women in photography for, from Margaret Burke White to Annie Leibovitz. I mean, you know, these photography is not that old per se. So the process that I've been working in cyanotypes was invented in 1842. So it is, photography as a whole is not that old compared to other art forms. So to see someone like Margaret Burke White, who was the first female to to photograph for Life Magazine and a bunch of other publications. And she had her studio in the uh, Empire State Building in New York. I mean, it's just like, I mean, I can't get more warm and fuzzy than than that to see this woman just go for it in a men's environment you know and the same with Annie Leibovitz she's on such another level that's just I mean her images are incredible and definitely a source of inspiration if you had a book written about you what would the title of the book well I do consider myself like my art form and my art and my pursuance of those slow but steady so you know me maybe I have a artist friend that I've seen him create so much work during the pandemic. Right. And I'm like, Holy moly, that guy is like working from 6am to 12 midnight every day for sure. You know? And, and I'm just not like that. And I'm kind of like the slow and thoughtful approach, but it's steady. You know, it keeps the, the things keep going. The projects keep coming. How long does it typically take you to produce a piece of work? I think now I'm working more in bodies of work. So um, in series, like I can't, I could just make one piece of photograph or one piece of artwork, but I'm now, I think, to where I just have to make multiples. I like 
I like doing that. So, I mean, it depends on what it is, but usually probably a year to complete a project from like birth of idea to hanging on a wall in a gallery. Wow. Yeah. That is a big time commitment for mm -hmm. one idea. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think it's because you have to fully process through it and figure out how you want to and then maybe tweak it and then figure out where it's going to go and all of yeah all of the minor details essentially like just start to finish yes absolutely I mean and yeah so it's like because concept the con the idea the concept of the idea flushing that idea out that's that takes quite a bit of time before you even start to make the artwork I think in my head yeah I want to flush it all out, flush out all these ideas, you know, sit on this idea and think about it and talk to people. And like, you know, for example, what do you think women, what, what do you, what's your idea? What, what kind of artwork could you see as uh, women supporting women? You know, what would that look like to you? And I did, I did a mini series actually based on that idea. So it came, it was one idea, but I, I did shoot a little bit towards this one idea and it was not, I loved it, but it was just not, it wasn't that powerful piece that I was looking for. So this little mini series came out of, you know, this year long project idea. So that sometimes happens as well. What happens if you hit a, a roadblock? How do you work through that idea or figure out, I guess, when it's time to maybe put it aside and you could return to it later, or it's just going to stay there and, you know, you did what you could. Sure. I mean, I think a lot of that happens in the in the mental and the writing, the flushing the idea out. But when I start to make the artwork, when I start making the artwork, I already know if I'm going to do it or not. So I think that all happens in the prequel. I know if I'm going to make, if the, if the idea is going to come from my mind to the outside world in that flushing out process. And I might attempt to photograph or do some preliminary work for it. And that'll really clue me in like I, I have <laughs> I made this other project and this is pretty heady if you will so I learned this process it was for my this is the project that I did for the beyond the frame the the group of 10 women so I took one of our workshops here at the light factory and it was salt prints so basically it's salt water and I forget the other compound that you you add to the watercolor paper and then you can expose it to light and a print comes out this was the idea. I collect water from the streams and bodies of water around Charlotte. And I, use, I, I photographed it under a microscope. And so I used this dirty water on the prints. And then the image of the, the, the water under the microscope was the, was the subject matter. So Wow. I know. How did it turn out? It was amazing. And I had little samples of water you could like shake up and Oh, on little geez. yeah <laughs> yeah you hit like all the marks there <laughs> yeah you know and it's like this convergence of science meets art or science meets photography so I felt so you know nerdy in a good way about that project I'm like oh I just did that <laughs> <laughs> it's like an immersive experience like you get to shake the water yeah you get to see it and, and then it's interpreted based mm -hmm. off of your interpretation like yeah <laughs> I like to to work like in this way that's like I mean you know that was 
a lot of effort and a lot of work. I like that. I like putting a lot of effort. I like doing the work. I like making it a, a finished piece that can hang on the wall. And I think all that, and that's definitely probably why I make the decision of whether I'm going to do it before I actually start the work, because I'm interested in doing all the hard work. When you were going through depression, did your, because I feel like it can go either way with people when you're, when you are creative and that's your Mm -hmm. way of life, like that can either help you or maybe hinder you and you kind of will stop. So were you not creating or were you just not creating and just like a bunch of other factors in your life were playing a part in what was happening? I oddly enough continued to create. I didn't do it on quite the scale but I did still create. And I think that was one of my life, you know, lifelines. It was one thing to pull me up and, and get me out of the house, not on a super regular basis, but it, it did happen. And, and there was, you know, depression takes away all your motivation and your, your will to do things outside of your house. So it was like a lifeline. It did get me out more so than I would have been. Did you create in a different way? Like if you were to look or a random person, right? I guess, cause that's probably a better judgment. <laughs> would they be able to tell was your style different or was your voice different or was something different um, in that time period? Well, I did not create as much and I did not, cause I made my first large pro- project series of work after my depression was well, I was coming out of my depression when I started that series. So I was, I was making art, but it was like not large, thoughtful series. It was smaller pieces of work, one, one piece of artwork instead of these like almost grand ideas. Yeah, it was happening, but it was just, and there were some times where I felt stale in photographing, but it's, it's just, you know, I was still taking photo jobs. So it was one of those things that kept me, kept me going. Do you create in other mediums? Well, my process that I'm working with right now is very, it's, it's, it's very painterly. It's, it, it definitely does not always look like, it is not necessarily a photograph per se. So there's some lines being crossed there with the way it looks very painterly and expressive. So yes and no, I love to paint. I, I don't feel like I'm that very good at it, except for when it comes to, to the process that I'm doing right now. So, cause yeah. I mean, this, these processes that I'm doing a lot of times I'm, I'm putting my own chemistry on the paper. And so that's a way to be expressive and, and yeah. Yeah, it's very painterly. <laughs> I like it. Combining yeah. a few different things there, expanding. What does an average day look like for you? I wake up, I get my child ready for school, I drop her off at school, and then I come to the light factory and do work here. I also, if I'm not working at the light factory, I have a, a vintage camper that I have an art studio in. Like so it. It's a, yeah, it's a 1978 Apache pop-up camper. So it's got hard sides as opposed to like canvas sides, sides, sides. And I have that just before I got this job offer, I found a place to park it to use it as an art studio because pandemic was like hitting me hard. And I was like, I've got to start. I mean, I was, I was finishing up the ASC community supported artists project. So I needed a space to, to create that in. 
and I had bought this camper like it's it's been a year and a half that I've had it I bought it right the the summer before the shutdown lucky for me because apparently you cannot get your hands on one but I bought it just for camping with my daughter like for memories of you know the greatest adventures ever but then I was like oh because I had it popped up where I live and you know it's it's it shouldn't you know sometimes you need to separate your workspace with your your home space so I decided to to approach an artist studio community about possibly you know parking it in their yard and using their power and water and they said yes and I was like this is amazing so that's where it is now and I can go to the studio space and make the artwork and I've got plenty of yard space to to do things outside if I want to as well so it's either there or the light factory and then lunch and then more work and then pick up kids and do the dinner routine and go to sleep by 10 30 if it's 10 30 I know it because I'm like I never was that way before never it's hilarious if you had 30 to 60 seconds to describe to a complete stranger who came up to you on the side of the street and asked you what you did what would you say I would say hi I'm a teaching artist I live in the city I grew up in I work for an outstanding art education organization and I do artwork Love it. What are two pros and two cons to what you do? Two pros are working for an org as opposed to like a company per se. There's like a really family feel to the staff as well as as contributors and and artists that come through the door. So I really appreciate that. It's, it's, It's like heartwarming in a way. The second is just being able to do something that I have so much passion for one of the drawbacks is, you know, you have to keep your own schedule. There's no one like, we're here at 9.50 p.m., you know, a.m. or whatever. So keeping my own schedule, some days are a challenge. Let's get real. But uh, it's, it's pretty flexible also, and I can do some work from home if I need to. So that's really nice. Another drawback that we can't have people in our lovely gallery space right now. So we have this beautiful gallery space mm-hmm. and we cannot I cannot do you know I'm I'm new to this position and I have all this gusto and energy of things that I want to do for the people and we can't do it like we are on restriction and that is just how it is so that's been like a hard thing to accept <laughs> what if we do something that's outside Yes, we can. We cannot do anything inside. So it just makes you more creative. You got to think outside the box and figure out how to show people this art and keep them interested and engaged. If you had 24 hours to live, unlimited money, and could travel anywhere at the snap of your fingers with whoever you wanted, what would you do? I would go to Iceland for sure. I would take my kid because I've always wanted to photograph the Northern Lights, you know. So hands down, I would do that immediately. Would Mert at 8, 10, 12, you know, whatever age you want to pick, but just somewhere around there, would she be happy with where you are now and what you're doing? Absolutely. You know, I grew up hearing you could do anything you want. And I am so grateful that I was told that. And I believe it and I believed it then and I believe it now. And, you know, do I have some regrets in my life? Maybe, but not that many, you know, I'm exactly where I need to be and I'm exactly where I want to be. And that, you know, all the steps that I've taken 
prior to this very day, you know, have led me right here to where I want to be. The, the long and short answer are yes, that that little kid would be happy. What do you want to accomplish either personally or professionally in the next six to 12 months? I would love to do another project, of course. So, I mean, it's time. I turned, I submitted my last project in October, I believe. So now it's time for another one. Now it's time. Definitely time for another one. Yeah. So that is on the, the mind. And then, you know, just, just making really incredible programming for the Light Factory. My two takeaways from my conversation with Mert are, first, art is a learned skill as much as anything else that requires time and dedication to improve and to get better, whatever better means to you. Art is subjective anyway. The second is, you'd be surprised how your passions can come back around. You may have to focus on something else for a while, but that doesn't mean that your true passion, what you grew up thinking you were going to do, is dead or lost. You might just have to come back to it when you're ready and when you have the skill set and you have the time or you're in a position where you can pivot and allow yourself to meld the two passions together. 